This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips, he will score the tying run. In the third goes a Rose Arena. It's an 8-8 to game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host. Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show. Today you'll get to know Isak Paredes and what the last month and a half of success has meant to him. We'll chat about potential All-Stars with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll also visit with Futures Game representatives Curtis Mead and Taj Bradley and chat about defense with Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions. Our featured guest this week is Isak Paredes, joined by translator Manny Navarro. Thank you so much for your time. Conmigo están Isaac Paredes y Manny, gracias por tu tiempo. Este, gracias, gracias por la entrevista. Este, y un placer estar aquí eh, platicando algo sobre mi personalidad. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for asking me about my uh, my career. First, what has your recent success meant? ¿Qué ha significado tu éxito reciente? Pues la verdad que, que es, es lo más bonito que estoy viviendo hasta ahorita en el béisbol de las grandes ligas. Este es un logro en lo personal para mí, pero al igual lo tomo algo mucho más positivo que eso. Este, que estoy aportando algo positivo para el equipo, ya que el trabajo en equipo es lo mejor que hay. Now, very happy to be here that I'm able to, to live out my dreams here and be able to accomplish these, uh, these dreams and these accomplishments. Uh, but the best part about everything and, and how beautiful it is is how I'm able to help out the team the best that I can. So what was your favorite moment? ¿Cuál fue tu momento favorito y por qué? Este momento favorito mío fue cuando empezamos a ganar. Este, este, estamos, estamos pasando por unas, unos momentos malos en el equipo y, y eso fue lo, lo, lo más bonito que viví. Este, empezar a ganar y, y empezar a ayudar al equipo. Y lo más bonito pues fue, hasta ahorita lo que he vivido fue el walk-off. Es mi primer walk-off de, de mi carrera. Just when you see out here and just being able to be out here with the guys, you know, that, that's the beautiful, that's what I like to, to really accomplish. Um, up until this point, uh, I think that the, the walk-off has actually been one of the, the highlights of what I've accomplished so far. And what did it mean to win American League Player of the Week? ¿Qué significó ganar el jugador del semana? Este significó algo, algo positivo dentro de mí, este, algo que, que, me, que me da motivación a seguir trabajando todos los días y, y saber que, que puedo lograr cosas grandes dentro de, de este bonito deporte. Uh, it's some very positive and some very motivating, uh, especially some very beautiful that I'm able to accomplish within this sport. You know, I'm very grateful for, for that. And then, like I said, just being able to accomplish something so beautiful in, in this sport. After you hit three home runs, you said messages from your family were most important. Tell me about them. Después de que tuviste tres honrones, dijiste que los mensajes de tu familia eran los más importantes. Háblame de ellos. Este, pues sí, no, la, la, la primera persona que, que habló para felicitarme fue mi hermana, este, ella fue, es, la, es la que maneja más WhatsApp de la familia, este, después me marcó mi papá, mi abuela, este, llegué y le, me llamaron cuando estaba aquí en el estadio y yo les dije, espera un momento, déjenme llegar al hotel porque me tenía, y yo me estaba, estaba muy apretado con todas las cosas que tenía en la cabeza y, y ya cuando llegué al hotel lo más bonito fue, fue hablar con con mi familia, la verdad, con mi hija, mi, mi hermana, mi, mi papá, mi abuelo y mi abuela, fue lo mejor que, que pude sentir después de, de, ese, de esa satisfacción. 
Uh, now, after that moment, the first person that I had message from and reached out to was my sister. You know, my sister was the one that reached out, uh, and then my dad, and then my, my grandma, my grandparents. Um, but when it initially happened, I, it was everything was so tight, everything was happening so fast that you know when I when I texted him back, I said, "Let me let me get settled in and let me go to the hotel first before I reach out back to you guys." But you know, once uh, that all settled down, I went back to the hotel and I was able to talk to my sister and, and my dad and my grandparents and and my daughter as well uh, to be able to live out that moment with them. Tell me a little more about your story. How old were you when you started playing baseball? Quiero que los fanáticos aprendan más sobre ti. Dime tu historia y cuántos años tenías cuando empezaste a jugar baseball. Este, yo empecé a jugar a la edad de ocho años en una liga infantil llamada Buitos Unison en Hermosillo, Sonora. Yeah, I started playing about eight years old, uh, just in a little league right there in Hermosillo, Sonora. So did you always want to play baseball? Uh, ¿Siempre quisiste jugar al baseball? Sí, siempre, siempre crecí en un, ambi en un ambiente beisbolero. Este, toda mi familia juega béisbol a nivel amateur, pero creo que de ahí nació el amor al, eh, hacia el béisbol. Yeah, I grew up around a baseball family. There's a lot of us that played baseball. Um, a lot of my family played up until the amateur level, but everyone was around the game. Because I know you like John Cena, too. Did you ever want to be a wrestler? Uh, yo sé que te gusta John Cena. ¿Alguna vez quisiste ser uh, luchador? No, la verdad no. no nunca, <laughs> nunca, nunca me dio por ser luchador, pero, pero sí acepto que uno de los grandes ídolos era John Cena y Rey Mysterio también, que él, él tiene nacionalidad mexicana. No, I never really wanted to ever be a, a wrestler, no, but I was just a fan of John Cena and also of Rey Mysterio. I was also a fan because he had the Mexican roots. What led you to John Cena? ¿Por qué John Cena fue tu favorito? Porque era, era, era el, creo, uno de los luchadores que se estaba usando más en ese momento, el que más estaba en la moda y, y creo que mis amigos y yo siempre, siempre queríamos que decíamos que éramos John Cena y John Cena. At the time growing up, I think he was just a more popular name, and so my friends and I just thought it would be John Cena, John Cena. Uh, when you were, you were young, who was your favorite baseball player? Cuando eras niño, ¿quién era tu jugador favorito de baseball y por qué? Este, la verdad, eran, eran varios, pero aquí en Grandes Ligas siempre, siempre mi ídolo fue Alex Rodríguez y, y creo que él fue, él fue y ha sido mi mejor favorito. Now, there's, there's a lot of Major League Baseball players that I looked up to, but I would say my favorite baseball player was Alex Rodriguez. He was definitely my favorite. Tell me about when you first signed. Uh, what do you remember? What do you remember about signing with the Cubs? ¿Qué recordaste de firmar son los Chicago Cubs? La verdad que se sintió muy bonito. Dije, oye, pues ya empezó mi sueño. Voy a aplicarme más. Estoy en un nuevo país. Me vine a Estados Unidos y... Y tuve que cambiar el chip rápido de, de saber lo que quería inmediatamente. Uh, it was a very beautiful feeling and uh, having the opportunity to be able to live out my, my dream. I knew it was going to be a little bit tough because I had to you know, go into a whole new country and I knew I had to you know, change everything up a little bit. Your first opportunity in the big leagues was with the Tigers. What did you learn from Miguel Cabrera? Tu primera oportunidad en las grandes ligas fue con los Tigres. ¿Qué aprendiste de Miguel Cabrera? Este, aprendí muchas cosas, la verdad que, que no, no, la verdad no, no creo tener tanto tiempo para explicarlas, este, me ayudó mucho, él, él, él siempre nos ayuda a nosotros los novatos a, a disfrutar el juego, a sentirnos con confianza, la verdad que, que son muchas cosas que, que él nos ayudó a nosotros. Now, there's a, a lot of things that he helped me and that, that, that I learned from him. You know, a lot of things I you know, don't have enough time to explain. But uh, just going out there and telling us rookies to go out there and have fun and, and have confidence when you go out there and play. You seem very comfortable here. Why? Pareces muy cómodo aquí. ¿Por qué? La verdad que no sé. La verdad que desde que llegué y agarré confianza con algunos de mis compañeros, yo les platiqué que, que me gustaba este equipo, este, la verdad, porque el, son, son jugadores muy buenos, y, y, pero todos son regulares, o sea, que todos se llevan bien, no hay jugadores que se crean más que otros, la verdad que eso, eso a mí me dio confianza y, y ahora mismo me siento demasiado cómodo aquí. No, what I really like about this team is that everyone really is just, just normal. You know, they're just normal. Um, we're talking to some guys early on, some of my teammates. I told them how much I like it here because of that. You know, no one, you know, thinks much of themselves more than anyone else or their, their other teammates. Everyone gets along really well here. You seem very calm on the field. Have you always been that way? Pareces muy tranquilo. Siempre has sido así. Este sí, la verdad que, que mi actitud es muy tranquila. Este creo que en mí no, no queda o no me siento tranquilo si ando muy 
muy acelerado, muy inquieto. La verdad que no, soy, soy una persona muy tranquila y seria. Yeah, I'm a person who's pretty, pretty calm, pretty serious. You know, there could be things that, you know, can get someone else riled up a little bit, but I tend to stay pretty calm and serious about things. So tell me what makes a good hitter and what are your greatest strengths? ¿Qué hace un buen bateador y cuáles son tus puntos fuertes? Este, pues que hace un buen bateador, este, aprende, aprende de lo más que se pueda, este, a prestar a, a atención a tu a tus hitting coach que ellos son los que están viendo tus videos que son los que te van a ayudar este preguntar a jugadores con experiencia qué es lo que piensan ellos en el home play qué plan llevan este todo eso la verdad que, que para mí es para mí yo yo quiero aprender todos los días y, y llevarme de los jugadores con experiencia yo creo que así así se puede hacer un buen bateador Uh, the learning, you know, being able to learn all the time. You know, you got to trust the hitting coaches who are watching your videos um, all the time and, you know, asking questions about the approach. What are you looking for? Uh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Um, and then also talking to guys with experience, some of the older guys that have been here before as well. Why this year do you have more power? ¿Por qué tienes más honrones este año? ¿Más fuerte tu approach? ¿Son las diferencias? Or, ¿Cuáles son las diferencias? Como, como la pregunta anterior se dijo, o sea, la verdad que, que tiene que ver mucho cómo esté uno cómodamente, este, la, la armonía que hay en un equipo, la confianza que te den. Este, no me siento tan apretado, me siento un poco más libre más, y más libre de salir a jugar béisbol. The, the mentality of everything, like I said before, you know, to try to be calm, try to be free uh, mentally, so that I think that helps you be a little bit more successful in the game, and so I think that's how I carry it. I like your song. Tell me how you chose it and why is it important. Me gusta tu canción, como lo elegiste y por qué es importante para ti. Pues es una canción, es una canción clásica en México. Es una de las canciones que están usando el artista. Es uno de los clásicos mexicanos que están ahorita, de los jóvenes que están sobresaliendo. Y creo que hay mucha gente latina aquí en el estadio que les puede gustar esa canción. Y por eso también que a mí me ayuda a ir contento al home play. Creo que esa canción era la indicada. It's a classic Mexican song. And then with, you know, with the Latin community in Florida, I think they can also relate. Also good, you know, for young lovers as well. It's a, it's a love song. Uh, but for me, it helps me think of that. So when I go up to bat, it helps me stay calm and happy. So when you, with that song, you're relaxed? Porque esta canción, su, tu está relojado? Sí, este, voy caminando hacia el home play relajado porque se siento que estoy siento que estoy con mi gente en México este que estoy con mis amigos y con la gente que quiero convivir este entonces llego escucho esa canción y, y, y quiero y ya yo yo me siento preparado para competir no, I feel happy when I listen to that song it feels like I'm back at home with my people with my friends and family and uh, and I go out there and I, I feel like I'm prepared when I'm walking up to the plate and hear that song and when you're not playing baseball what do you like to do uh, cuando no estás jugando baseball, uh, ¿qué, uh, ¿qué te gusta hacer? La verdad que, que me gusta seguir jugando béisbol. Este, eh, mi familia, como le digo, me crecí en un ambiente béisbolero. Este, ellos tienen juegos todos los domingos y a veces yo de, de ir para pa que, o sea, convivir con, con la gente. A veces voy y juego con ellos y, y me divierto un poco y después hacemos que si una comida después del juego y eso es, eso es mi pasatiempo y estar con mi hija. Actually, just you know, playing baseball, believe it or not. You know, whenever we go home, um, I still have family and friends that play on Sundays, so I'll go out there and watch or sometimes even go play. And so after games like that, uh, you know, we'll have a barbecue, we'll have something to eat after as a group, and then also I love hanging out with my daughter as well. ¿Cuántos años tiene tu hija? How old is your daughter? Cuatro años. Four years old. And obviously very special to you, muy especial para ti. Este sí, la verdad que, que ya ella es el, el es el mayor motor por el que estoy aquí y, y echando el 100% todos los días. Yeah, it's what gets the motor going and that's why I give it 100% every day. Well, I appreciate so much your time. I learned a lot. I hope the fans did too and I wish you continued success. Gracias por el tiempo. Yo aprendí mucho. Los fanáticos aprendieron mucho y el éxito continuó. Okay, muchas gracias y un saludo a los fanáticos y que nos sigan apoyando. Thank you very much. Uh, hello to all the fans and keep on supporting us.
Uh, that's Isak Paredes and Manny Navarro. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. We continue on this weekend race baseball and time to turn to the minor league side. They announced the Futures game rosters this week. The Rays have two representatives in pitcher Taj Bradley and our guest right now in Curtis Mead. Curtis, congratulations and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Thank you. We talked with you a couple times during your time in the Rays system. What did it mean when you found out you were going to the Futures game? Yeah, it was a really, really cool experience to be a part of. I'm really, really excited to go. I haven't actually been to LA before, so I'm really excited to kind of explore that too. And I'm, yeah, it'll be really cool to play with the best players in the minor leagues. As someone who grew up in Australia, will your family have enough time to be able to arrange to come to this? Or I would assume your girlfriend's in the state, she would be able to go? Yeah, so my family, unfortunately, won't be able to go. They just got back to Australia from leaving America. They've been over here for a few months. So the timing kind of just didn't work out. Uh, it was a quick turnaround. But yeah, I'll have my girlfriend and her family there to support me. So that'll be good. You mentioned your family had been here. How much of, of your play did they get to see and what did it mean to you? Because you've been separated for a while, yes? Yeah. Yeah. So my family went back and forth between watching my sister play college shuffle and watching me playing in the minor league. So they probably watched total about a month's worth, so probably four weeks worth of games. And that was really special, you know, because that was that was really the first four weeks they'd ever seen me play in America. So it's funny because my dad would say uh, he would see me play in Australia every year and he would go every six months, you come back a little better. So every time we get to see you play, you're doing things a little bit better. So it it was pretty cool for him to to kind of see what my life's been like for the last, you know, two or three years over here in America. I would guess the game has changed a fair amount since the last time he saw you then. Uh-huh. Yeah, it has. Absolutely. The, the level, the stadiums, the coaching, everything's, everything's gotten better. So I think, I think he's really pumped. Speaking of stadiums, when you play in Los Angeles in the Futures game, will that be your first experience in a major league ballpark as a player? And if so, what does that mean? Yeah, it will be. It will be, you know, I mean, we can't, there's a few Australian teams that come over, but we usually just get like access to minor league stadiums and that sort of thing. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty unbelievable experience. So I can't really wait to get out there and soak it all in. Will it be somewhat motivational? I, and we're going to touch on this, but you moved up recently to AAA. I would assume being that close to the big leagues as a player and being at a big league park should mean something from that regard too. Yeah, absolutely. It'll definitely, yeah. Uh, keep the fire burning, you know, and kind of see what it's all going to be like at the next step. So definitely make me work even harder and uh, try and try and achieve that goal as soon as possible. Taj Bradley is also going to the Futures game. You played with Taj in AA Montgomery to begin the year. What can you tell us about Taj as a person and as a player and what it means to go with him? Yeah, no, it's it's really cool that we get to go uh, together. We've played, you know, we've played at every level so far bar AAA. So it's a, it's really special that we get to go and, you know, there'll be a familiar face for each of us. And, you know, Taj a really good, a really good kid. You know, he's super talented. He works really hard and uh, he's going to be, he's going to be a good pitcher for a long time. You obviously have the reputation for someone who can hit and you move from double to AAA during the year. What did that mean to you when you got the promotion? Yeah, it was really special. You know, I was, kind of finding my groove a little bit in double A and kind of felt that I was ready for the next step. So for the team to recognize that as well and give me that opportunity, was really special. So really looking forward to kind of seeing what I can do at the AAA level and just kind of taking it one day at a time. It's been a very short while in AAA, Curtis, but is there any noticeable difference you've seen with the the abilities, the consistency, the type of pitching you're seeing in AAA versus double A? A little bit, yeah. I would say for the most part, it's more from the consistency standpoint. You know, there's some really talented pitchers in AA and um, a bunch of a bunch of guys with big league stuff. But I would say from what I've seen so far, you know, there's a bunch of AAA guys that have been in the big leagues for a long time. So they're just, you know, they don't miss over the plate much. They can throw any pitch in any count. So it's it's a different type of challenging, you know. So it's uh, it's been a really good test so far. So what are you learning and how do you think you've grown so far this year? 
Uh, I'm learning to stay patient. I've been kind of somewhat pressing, you know, this year. Coming into this year, you know, I thought there was a shot that I could play in the big league. So there was kind of that, you know, that I put a little bit of pressure on myself to play well, to give myself a chance to kind of be around it by the end of the year. So just staying patient and taking it one day at a time. And, you know, half of that stuff is out of my control anyway. So just just trying to get better each day and perform perform that night. As a hitter and as a defender, where do you think you've improved the most this year? I think with my defense, I've made strides uh, with my throwing. You know, that was kind of a key point for me and, and for the Rays. And also my defensive versatility has gotten better. You know, I've spent a good amount of time at second this year. Um, so I'm starting to feel pretty comfortable there playing there a couple times a week and at the plate I've I've been better at what I swing at so far so my chase percentage has come down so it's led to walking a little more and you know swinging at the right pitches and then hitting those pitches hard because I'm swinging at good pitches so it's been good. I know you spent a lot of time in the offseason in Nashville and now Brandon Lau is rehabbing with the Durham Bulls. Give our fans a feel for the relationship the two of you have and what you can learn from watching him as he rehabs. Yeah, so me me and Brandon hit together uh, most of the offseason. It's kind of like a, he's like an older brother to me. So we have a, you know, we go back and forth a bit and compare compare ourselves to each other. And he, he always reminds me that he's a, a few steps ahead of me. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool to watch him work. And, you know, he's a really talented player. So it would be awesome to spend some time with him before he heads back up to the big league team. What can you learn about second base from him? Because you mentioned you're starting to get a little more comfortable there. And which of the positions that you play do you still feel the most comfortable right now? Yeah, so that's funny, actually, because in the offseason, I I had been told just prior to spring training that I would be spending some time at second. So probably for the last month before I headed out to spring training, me and Brandon were doing second base stuff together. And he was just kind of telling me how he works around the bag and, and turning double plays and that sort of thing. So he really helped me out there. But for the meantime, I would say I'm probably feel more comfortable at third base just because of the innings that I played there. But I, I definitely don't feel out of place at second. So that's been that's been pleasing for me. And do you expect to get uh, reps at first base too or, or any other spots in the near term? I'm not 100% sure. I think that's definitely on the cards. I think it's more uh, a need for the team. So right now, I think in AAA, we've got a a couple guys that play first base, whereas last year there wasn't as many, so they kind of threw me in there to, to be versatile. But really, I'm happy to play wherever, wherever, as long as they let me hit, I'm happy to play there. So I just uh, I just want to, wherever I play, I want to be of value. So Have that, will travel? Uh-huh. Um, and in terms of the, the atmosphere in Durham, obviously you're, you're moving up a level. The crowds are a little bit bigger. The intensity is a little greater because you're – you know, that much closer to the big leagues. What has that been like? Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, we played a game on the 3rd of July in Charlotte, trainings multiple times. Um, so you have high pressure situations, one after the other with runners in scoring position. And I was actually playing second. So that was cool because that was definitely the most pressure that I felt on defense or at the plate. You know, and and with the staff here and being so close to the big leagues, like there is a want to win. Like everyone here wants to win and everyone wants to play well. So it's definitely definitely a cool experience to be in, you know, in a high-pressure situation um, in front of a big crowd. I think there was over 10,000 people there. So, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Well, hopefully there are more cool experiences to come. We're happy for you that you're going to the Futures game. We hope you enjoy the entire experience a great deal. And I'm sure we'll be talking with you soon on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. And that is Curtis Mead between double and triple A at 925 OPS. So far this year, 12 homers and 43 runs batted in. Coming up, we'll hear from Taj Bradley on joining Curtis Mead in the Futures game. We'll also chat with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions on the defense in the AL East. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball, and this is the Race Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. It is All-Star Sunday, and joining us right now, our All-Star in Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks very much for being with us. Anytime, Neil. I mean, I'm sitting in the dugout. Josh Lowe's walking by, and I'm talking to you on the radio. What could be better, right? Hey, this is obviously um, usually a day to celebrate uh, for the Rays, and maybe it will be for Shane McClanahan, and we'll see if there are others, but this is a tough day, too, with more and more injuries piling up and really important ones. Yeah, no doubt about it, Neil. I mean, we, you know, look, I don't know how the season's going to end, 
but we certainly may look back at yesterday or certainly Friday and Saturday as a turning point in, in the wrong way for the Rays this season, losing the game, back-to-back walk-off losses, uh, and then the injuries yesterday. It, it seemed odd, obviously, when Wanda Franco came out of the game after the first at bat. He was flexing can a little bit. Uh, and it sounds like, and they'll know for sure tomorrow, he's going to see Dr. Doug Carlin, who's one of the best in the business uh, as far as being a hand specialist. But it sounds like it's a hamate fracture that requires surgery to remove a piece of the bone. Uh, six weeks is probably a reasonable estimate. Six to eight, probably on the safe side. That would push Wander back into making it just before the end of the season. Uh, second IL stint for him this year. I mean, talking to him this morning, he's a little better spirits this morning than he was yesterday, but clearly down and frustrated and, you know, knowing that it's just going to be a matter of time, nothing he can do to speed the healing. Uh, and then Kevin Kiermeyer probably sounds a little more concerning today than we saw yesterday. Uh, he's got the hip issue again. He had it last month. He got a shot, cortisone shot. He rested for 10 days, and he was back and playing, but he said it never really felt right. And uh, he's going to go see a specialist, it looks like, next week. And kind of like reading between the lines, you know, he sounded like, you know, he's going to have to explore if surgery is the answer for him. And I asked Kevin Cash that, and he said, look, I don't know what the answer is, but there's no doubt Kevin Kiermeyer has to go get this fixed, whatever that entails. So, who knows? This could be uh, maybe, you know, depending on how kind of a surgical procedure it is, this could be an extended absence for Kevin Kiermaier, maybe the end of his season, maybe the end of his raised career. I mean, the end of his guaranteed contract. So who knows really what this all means? And I know a lot of people are wondering, okay, you wrote about it today. Medical matters was like your top important area on the list in terms of how this club does the rest of the year. And this was before all this happened. I know. At 11.30 last night, I was still updating that story after all that happened yesterday, but also needed to mention today also Jeffrey Springs on the injured list, and you know, a guy that's obviously been a key part of the Rays rotation. Uh, you know, We know he's been dealing with a personal issue with his son being in the hospital, but he came back and pitched in Boston the other day, but apparently he's got some issue with the tightness in his calf. The Rays are concerned. That was the same uh, leg that he had the knee surgery on last year. They don't want to take any chances with him, give him a chance to make sure that gets solved. So he's going to be out for at least a couple weeks as well. So the injuries do keep mounting. And, look, I know Kevin Cash has done a good job of spinning this in the way of saying this is giving them a chance to find out about their young players and some you know, to the positive, some to the negative. But, you know, it's got to be tough. They're, they're straining their depth. They're putting guys in positions where they're not really ready to be in in some cases. You know, they're going to go through the all-star break with Taylor Walls playing shortstop every day and Yu Chang as the backup. Uh, they're going to go through the all-star break at least and probably further with Josh Lowe and Brett Phillips splitting center field right now. Neither guy uh, both hitting lefty and neither guy doing real well as far as offensively. So it's going to be a challenge, and this is certainly added to it. And, you know, you look back at the other people that are still out, and, and maybe Pete Fairbanks is coming soon. Brandon Lau is back in the lineup at Durham today, so maybe he's coming after the break. That'll help, but, boy, they sure can't get back. I think there's a note today that Craig Vanderkam, uh, the Rays notes with, put together of the 28 players on the opening day roster. And this isn't that long ago. Opening day is only, what, three months or so ago. There's only nine that have been active through the whole season. And you think about just the core right now. Okay, if you get Brandon Lau back, great. But right now you're missing Lau, Franco, KK, Margot, Zanino. That's more than half of your starting lineup without even mentioning all the pitching issues that you touched on. Right, and, and arguably your three highest leverage relievers in Kittredge, FireEyes, and Fairbanks. Exactly, um, and rotation that's never settled because of injury. And at the same time, the one guy who's kind of kept things somewhat stable is a guy who we expect to be honored today on the All-Star team for sure. The question is, will he have anyone join him? Yeah, I mean, if, if Shane McClain isn't an all-star, then there shouldn't be an all-star game. It's probably the simplest way to put that. And, you know, it'll be curious to see, is he voted in by the players? Was he appointed by the league? Are there any other raise? I think a case could be made for Jason Adam. And, and maybe if Jason Adam doesn't make it today, uh, maybe he's a guy added. You know, we saw last year, obviously, when Kevin Cash was the manager, uh, he had the opportunity to add a couple guys. Uh, Joey Wendell and Andrew Kittredge both made it that way. And if there are players pulling out, you know, maybe Dusty Baker will, will get some you know, information and look at the stats and see that Jason Adam is deserving. And probably those two guys, I think, would be you know, the Rays' best chances for this. And if Shane McClanahan does make it, uh, and maybe he'll even smile if he makes it, uh, you know, then the question will be, does he start the game? And, and I think you know, we all see him all the time. I think we can kind of appreciate that he is, has been the best pitcher in the American League to this point. But there's going to be some push for Justin Verlander because his manager, Dusty Baker, is the AL manager. There's going to be some push for Shohei Otani. 
because of the TV appeal and the worldwide appeal that he would bring. And pitching in L.A., he plays for the Angels. So there's a couple different arguments that can probably be made for different guys. No question. And, Mark, we touched on the injuries. That was kind of a, I guess, almost at the centerpiece of the story you wrote for the Tampa Bay Times here on this Sunday. What are some other things that stand out to you as the race trying to figure out what direction to go in going forward? They are still in a playoff spot despite all the issues they've had. Right, and that's probably the biggest thing to keep in mind is that, you know, if they literally hold serve, they're still in the playoffs. But it's going to be a challenge. Look, one thing that's not going to be popular with the fans is that there's going to be some load management going on with some of the pitchers. And you never want to say injuries are good, but maybe Jeffrey Springs being sidelined a little bit here will give him a chance uh, to kind of, you know, he'll rest a little bit. He's a guy that was going to be pushing uh, his career high in innings. Drew Rasmussen's another guy they're going to have to watch. And Maybe that leads to Drew Rasmussen, you know, either skipping some starts and moving back into a bullpen role, like a multi-inning bullpen role, kind of like a Colin McHugh or something. Uh, Corey Kluber and even Shane McClanahan are in, you know, not any, not career high with Kluber, but recent uh, high for innings for him. And McClanahan, yes, career high. So those are guys that the Rays are going to have to watch a little bit. They always have to kind of look out for the health of their pitchers and look out for the future. So them skipping some time can be a factor here. You know, getting Patino back obviously can help stem that if that happens. Uh, and then I think cleaning up their play. I mean, they're just giving away too many outs. They're not taking outs that should be made in, on defense, and they're giving away too many outs on the bases. And you combine that, and it makes the game a lot harder. They're they're creating their higher degree of difficulty with their own mistakes. So that's got to get cleaned up a little bit. And then ultimately, and Andrew was just walking by. We could have tried to tap into his phone, Neil, or something. But what moves they make? I mean, do they – I don't think you're going to see them go make a big move and invest a lot of capital in terms of taking on salary or giving up prospects because they can't win the division. The Yankees are going to win the American League East. Go with that, breaking news. So you're battling for a playoff spot in the wild card round. You're going to have to play that first series. I don't think they're going to make a big investment to improve their seeding. I know you and I have talked about it. You might even make a case that being the sixth seed and playing the central champ might be better than being the fourth or fifth seed and playing another team from the American League East, if that's how it shakes out, the Blue Jays or the Red Sox. So I don't think you'll see them do a lot, but they're going to have to do some things. I mean, the move for Christian Bethencourt that they made yesterday – gives them some depth at catcher, but if Mike Zanino is not coming back, I feel like they might have to go out and get a frontline catcher. Uh, and then I think whether they have to add somebody to the bullpen, find a way to juice this offense, and the catcher might be that guy. Mark, really good stuff. We appreciate some time, and uh, hopefully uh, people read all the work you put in over the last 24, 48, 72 hours on all the changes the Rays have had to make. Appreciate it, Neil. Always a treat to get to talk baseball with you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team all right that is mark topkin of the tampa bay times as you can hear joining us from down on the field in cincinnati well next weekend they'll have the futures game in los angeles and our next guest will be there we heard from curtis mead earlier on the program he's going to the futures game so is taj bradley taj congratulations and uh thanks very much for being with us i mean yeah no it's awesome to be recognized as you know a player that's like earned the achievement to go to the future game and play against other players I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard about it since I got in a pro ball and I just saw it as a big like stepping stone. And I mean, now that I, I was able to achieve it and be asked to go, that's awesome. And then it's back in L.A. where my family, where I'm from. So all my family has been telling me they're going to make the game and everything. And a lot of them is going to be their first time seeing me play. So that's awesome. Does it mean anything more to go with Curtis? Yeah, I mean, the uh, two young guys in the org and. For me, um, the game of baseball, like I've seen, has gotten younger and just shows that it doesn't matter your age. If you can play, you can play. And 
to be recognized as one of those people in this organization or both of us to be able to go. That's awesome. In this organization or anywhere else, have you ever played a game in a major league stadium, whether it was youth ball, legion, travel, anything? And what would oh, it yeah. mean to play at Dodger Stadium? Yeah, so when I was 16, we played in the RBI World Series for the Atlanta team, and we played in Cincinnati. We played in their stadium. So, yeah, that was the only one. Any other one, there are some camps that I've gone to that we played at, like some minor league uh, facilities, like the in Bradenton or in Dodger Town. Uh, we also went to Arizona and played at the Angels facility. But to play at Dodger Stadium, that's cool. I mean, I didn't grow up a Dodgers fan. I grew up a Braves fan. But like I said, to go back home and be able to play in front of some family, that's awesome. So how many family and friends have already told you they're coming? I And is your mom going to make the trip cross country? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, when I called her, it seemed like she had some vision or something like that. I don't know. She told me she already had a flight getting ready to go. I don't know. <laughs> That's on her end, so you got to ask her. But um, I have my sister just told me, my aunt. Yeah, both my aunts, my cousins, both my brothers are going, which I'm excited for. It's always cool when they go because you can hear them in the stands talking their stuff. Yeah, my mom's going. My dad said he'll be there. My cousins, like some like cousins I haven't seen in a while, said they'll be there. So, I mean, I can't put a, a number on it. But, I mean, if I was to say my aunt and her kids, my uncle and his kids, my other aunt and her kids, my cousin, my dad, my sisters, I mean, it's, it's a handful. So it would be a good, good uh, cheering crowd in there for me. Have you looked at the Futures game roster and are there any guys that either you've played against or that you've seen that you're like, hey, it would be pretty cool to just chat it up with this guy since we've been against one another and now we're going to be teammates in the game? No, I mean, pretty much the only person I know is Curtis. Uh, I looked at the roster and I uh, Perez, we played him in Pensacola and watching him pitch is fun. It's electric. But everybody else I haven't gotten to know or haven't really heard much about. But I mean, It'd be awesome to meet new people and put names to faces and just see like people play. That's what I'm most excited about. Will it be somewhat motivational? Um, I know you've played in a big league ballpark before, but you know, when you're in the futures game, obviously a lot of the guys who have gone there have eventually played at some point in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, I try not to think too far ahead. I try to be where my feet are, but I mean, with that aspiration to be in the big leagues, I mean, this, like I said, is a stepping stone. And you said, I mean, people have gone from here to the big league. So that's encouraging, I would say. But, I mean, I just learned to be where my feet are and let the cards fall where they are. And, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what to say about that. I'm just going to stick to that one little phrase, be where my feet are. <laughs> well, you have been. I mean, you look at your performance this year. It's been awesome. What have you liked most about what you've done this season? And, and how have you improved the most this year? I just like consistency. So that's what my main thing in my pitching is be consistent, especially as a starter. I mean, you get once a week, so you don't get that much time on the field. But when you do, it's great to have that. Also, I mean, efficiency. Like, there were some outings where I was just going four innings. doesn't matter what the outcome was. It will be four because my pitch count was too high. But I learned to use all my pitches, mix them, and that's helped me greatly. Like, this last outing, it was 70 pitches, six innings. So, I mean, that's all I could ask for. That's a it's a big like leap for me, especially in longevity in the game, seeing how majority of my career I haven't gone to six except twice before that or twice before this season. So, I mean, right now it's just I'm, I'm happy with the efficiency and be able to go deeper in the ball games because as a starter, that's my main goal. And which pitches, if any, have really improved the most this year? I know you said you're using all of them more. Yeah, using all of them. Fastball cutter, I kind of – have become to where it's consistent. The changeup, I used a lot last year, and I'm also starting to use this year. The curveball, didn't throw at all last year. So I would say um, those two, the changeup and the curveball, mixing them in a lot more. The curveball, dropping for strikes now, and I can steal a strike with them if need be. So those two pitches have really been like what I'm most happy about. You know, I, I'm, I don't know how closely you follow what's going on with the Rays. You mentioned you are where your feet are, but watching a Shane McClanahan grow into the kind of year he's had, He's used his four pitches almost equally. Are you using them equally, or is it still fairly fastball cutter dominant with the others starting to become a little more prevalent? Yeah, right now it's just reading swings. So I don't try to put a percentage on how much I'm going to use pitches. So I just read swings and go off of that, whatever the hitter's telling me. So it doesn't matter if 
my fastball is my best pitch. If the changeup is what's working on him, I'm going to throw it. And that goes for any pitch or any hitter. So I don't really um, – I know what my strengths are, but I also read what other – what their strengths are. And if ours collide and it's – each are, if the fastball is each our strength and that's their best pitch to hit, then obviously I'll go to their weakness, seeing as I have the confidence to throw uh, any pitch to any hitter and I feel like it's going to have success. And how much better have you gotten at reading swings? Because that's not an easy thing for guys to do earlier in their career. How much are you improving at that as you go? I feel a lot better. Like, I'm starting to pay more attention than I was last year. Like, last year, I couldn't tell you what pitch I threw to what hitter and what count or what the outcome was. So now it's like, okay, I see he's late on a fastball. I may throw it again. Or if he's early, throw a fastball. Pull him off with a changeup or... If he has a bad swing on a cutter, make it a, a better pitch, like lower in the zone. So, I mean, just mostly more paying attention to how the uh, at-bat is going and not just up there throwing pitches mindlessly and just hoping, like, okay, this is going to be what it is and I'm going to throw it. But now it's like, okay, this is what it is and this pitch has value, so that's what I'm going to And from a, a standpoint of the pitch clock, because there's a short pitch clock, does that help you focus better? I'm kind of curious because I've talked to, you know, some hitters don't like – how little time they have. Some pitchers would rather more signs go down. How have you adjusted to that? I mean, with the Rays philosophy, I mean, it's pretty much not that big of a difference. I feel like 18 seconds is, it's enough time, not to say it's a lot because you have to get right back on the mound. But I mean, that's how I work anyway. I work pretty fast. Uh, the funny thing is like now, like, okay, the hitters have to be in the box, which I'm happy about. They don't have to do all that stuff that takes too long. So I'm watching games in the big leagues and I'm getting agitated. I'm like, get in the, like, get in the box already. Like, it just took you 15 seconds to get back in the box between each pitch. That's kind of annoying. But, I mean, I haven't really noticed a big difference in the pitch clock other than, like, some hitters might try to get a jump because they see the pitch clock going down. Other than that, no, it's not that big a difference. Well, whatever you've done so far, whether it's worry, you know, the pitch clock doesn't matter what you're having to deal with. You're handling everything really, really well. And your season has been impressive. Uh, very excited for you and Curtis to be in the Futures game. Have a lot of fun and, and hopefully we'll be talking with you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Neil. And that is Taj Bradley. He's 3-1 and one with a 151 ERA so far this season in Double A Montgomery. And again, going with Curtis Mead, who has had a fantastic season between Double and Triple A. Uh, so far this year. Hey, the little Rays fans in your life can be part of the action too with the Rays Rookies Kids Club presented by High Chew. Sign up today and receive a backpack, hat, 50% off tickets to select home games and more. Memberships are limited. Go to RaysBaseball.com slash RaysRookies. Let's turn back down to the majors where the Rays have certainly not been elite defensively, at least as they have been in past years. And joining us to discuss that and the AL improvements defensively is Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions. Mark, thanks very much for a few minutes. Hi, thanks for having me. You know, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this Rays club as they sit in a playoff spot as we speak here a week to go before the All-Star break is that they are not the same defensive team as they've been in years past. What in your mind is the biggest difference? They certainly haven't been elite. They're more middle of the pack. Yeah, I was just looking at a few different things. And one thing that, that kind of stuck out to me was that they don't necessarily have a player or two that excel like they have in the past. And we'll use Kiermaier as an example. So at the time that we're talking, I was looking uh, at the number of catches that Kiermaier had made that were, I guess, like that earned him a lot of points in the defensive run saved system. This year, it's uh, he had probably, I think it was that he had 14 catches last year that would be better than his fourth best catch this year. So he whatever he's done in the outfield this season, and I'm not going to say he's in decline because it's only half a season, and I don't necessarily think that Kevin Kiermaier is in decline, but whatever he's done this season has not produced the same rate of catching the more difficult balls by our system and turning those into outs uh, that he typically would. And in a, in a normal year, Kevin Kiermaier in our system is a top two, top three center fielder, which is worth about 15 to 20 runs saved. This year, he's hovering around zero, which is average. It's not bad. Center fielders, center field's really tough because the, you have all these young guys out there that can chase down balls. Kevin's getting a little older, and at least through 80-ish games, is not at the level of uh, super elite that he has been in the past. That's not to say he can't be, and I'm caveating a lot here, uh, but I would say that's a primary reason because if you add 15 or so defensive runs saved to this, 
they're in the they're in the discussion for being in the in the top ten. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, there there are certain things that they've got that aren't necessarily bad. Like the infield turns ground balls into outs at a pretty decent rate. Top. 10 top 15. The outfield turns balls into outs, even without the difficult catches by Kiermaier at a good rate. They're, they're lacking a little bit, I guess, of the superior play. And one kind of flukish stat is that the pitcher numbers are not particularly good for them. By our measures as of Friday, uh, they were at the very bottom of the league in terms of pitcher runs saved, which is fielding balls, turning them to, into outs, but also holding base runners on. And the Rays have gotten uh, stolen on a little bit this year, I think a little bit more than they have in the past. And their first base numbers are not great either. Um, you know, I know G-Man has been a guy who, for the last several years, had been really good at picking balls. He hasn't been that great, and his numbers are near the bottom of first baseman, too. Yeah, that, that would be a, another one. Like, I'm looking at this now, and there are, let's see, there are only a couple of positions where there's a negative. Uh, Pitcher, first base, and then second base is just below the line. But as I said, no no one really excels uh, anywhere. And uh, as I said, they are 19th at the time that we're talking. It's entirely possible that by Sunday they could be closer to the top 10. The difference between 12 and 19 isn't necessarily that large, but uh, as you said, not uh, typical. Uh, Some teams, quite frankly, some teams have just gotten better. And we'll get to that. Uh, You know, the other piece of this is injury. KK has been banged up and spent time on the IL with a hip issue. Uh, Mike Zanino has been out a good part, and when he was playing, he was hurt. Same with Brandon Lau. Wander Franco was playing while hurt and then missed nearly a month. And those things do impact your defensive abilities, especially if they're lower body type issues. Yeah, and there's no sympathy points in defensive runs saved either. Uh, if you're out there, you're being graded by the same scale that, that uh, everybody else is being graded by. Now, I should note, Brett Phillips' numbers are pretty decent for the time that he's out there. And if he's going to be out there more in the second half of the season, you're going to, I think, see uh, those numbers uh, continue to trend positively and the team numbers, as a result, continue to trend positively. And Taylor Walls, too. I mean, he has been one of your better defenders in the league in terms of defensive runs saved to this point. Yeah, he's versatile. And that I, like that's he's got the Zobristian uh, kind of quality to him. He's got the eight defensive runs saved, uh, a couple here, a couple there, a couple of the four at third. Yeah, as you said, if he plays more in the second half of the season, wherever he plays, in theory, they're going to be better. From a defensive standpoint, you mentioned the other teams in this division have been better. And that's probably the big thing, is that usually the Rays have been very, very good, and the other teams have been below. All four teams, other than the Rays in the division, are like top ten. What's been the big thing that's allowed some of these teams to take off defensively? So the Yankees had a complete change in approach uh, this offseason, and they made several moves that considerably bolstered their defense. One was right before the season started when they got Jose Trevino uh, to replace Gary Sanchez at catcher. That was a massive upgrade. They got a little bonus because Trevino's hit a little bit more than they expected to. So that was one. Uh, They got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to play shortstop, which allowed them to put Gleyber Torres back at second base. Torres, feeling much more comfortable now at second base, looks like the Glaber Torres at second base that he was at the beginning of his career, as opposed to a little bit later on. Uh, and at third base, they got Josh Donaldson, and they're pairing him there with DJ LeMahieu. Both of them have been excellent. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa said one thing that's happened to him this year is he understands his defensive run save numbers are down, but the team's defensive run save numbers are up uh, because Donaldson and LeMahieu are making plays on balls that Kiner Falefa might have a chance at, but that the other two guys definitely have a chance at. So that's an area the Yankees are much better infield as a result. Uh, Baltimore has gotten a lot better, largely due to their shortstop, uh, Jorge Mateo, who has been uh, very good for them. They've been solid all around. Cedric Mullins has had a very nice year defensively. He's up near the top of the leaderboard in defensive run save. The Orioles, at the time that we're talking, are ranked second. They could be anywhere from second to, like, Seventh, probably, by the time people hear this. Uh, The Blue Jays. uh, So this is kind of interesting, and it was unexpected, I have to admit. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has actually turned into a decent first baseman. What's happened with him is he's gotten a lot better at picking balls. They've had a lot fewer errors from some of the other guys on the team. 
as a result. He also got a better third baseman throwing to Matt Chapman, which certainly didn't hurt. Uh, But he's gotten better at fielding balls, too. Like, they can play him pretty wide at first base, so he racks up uh, the defensive run saved. Uh, And the Blue Jays, as I said, have been a little better as a result. And then the Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox got Trevor Story, and that changed the complexion of their infield. They put Story at second, where he's potentially going to win a gold glove. Bogarts has been better at short. Devers has been better at third. Uh, Their outfield has been solid all around. And to give the coaching staff credit, they've been very good at putting guys in the right spots so that they don't have to do as much skill-wise to make a play where, uh, where Bogarts can more easily make a play than he might have had to in the past. And as a result, they've done much better at turning balls into outs this season. Speaking of putting guys in the right position, watching Toronto, they have shifted as aggressively as any team I've seen. How much is that helping their numbers overall? It's definitely helping. There are teams that are, I think, that are benefiting more from it. They are overly aggressive. And in fact, if I remember right, it was like in the first two weeks of the season, they were shifting on like 90% of guys. And they scaled it back. Uh, after uh, I, they scaled it back after a couple of weeks, they, they I think they realized that it wasn't uh, necessarily the optimal way to go. So I think it's a combination of their shifting and also the defensive skill of players like Chapman and players like Vlad uh, that have been able to get them some outs that they weren't getting in years past. And so they found I think what what's happened is they found the right combination. And that's good for this year. I think the big question we're all wondering is how much this changes for next year with the rules and then how much it changes how good teams are defensively. Sure. And I actually think that when they enact the shifting ban or whatever it is that they're going to do, you're still going to see teams do things that are close to it. You're going to see situations when a left-handed batter is up where the shortstop moves and he's one step away from second base and the third baseman is in the shortstop position because very few left-handed hitters hit the ball down the third base line. So I think teams are still going to be aggressive defensively even if they can't necessarily put the guy in shallow right field or put the guy right behind second base. And I, I think that you'll see... Like, you'll see an increase, I think, in hits, but I don't know necessarily that it's going to be as large as people would think that it would be. Mark, good stuff. We certainly appreciate some time on the program. You got it. And that is Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions. Thanks so much to all of the guests on the show today, including, as you just heard, Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions, Isak Paredes, raising fielder, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, plus two guys who are headed to the Futures game, one a position player in Curtis Mead, and the other, of course, pitcher Taj Bradley. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons. Next week, it'll be Ray's All-Star Talk and a whole lot more. Special thanks to my producer, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. Rays and the Reds, last of an 11-game road trip coming up on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.